Gentle parenting author L.R. Nost once wrote, when little people are overwhelmed, it's our job to share in our calm, not join in the chaos. Well, how do we actually do that in today's modern world? That's what Helen Boniface from Karma Kids is talking about on today's episode. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded. And for us here on the Sunshine Coast, that's the Kabi Kabi and Gubby Gubby people. Today, I'd particularly like to honour the land on which we work and play, the land, the sea, the air, the sky. We have spent some beautiful days out in nature and the glorious winter sunshine. And I really want to honour the elders past, present and emerging, those custodians of the land that have held this space, that have looked after our land for thousands and thousands of years. I'd also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which you are listening to this episode. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education, and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in and join us on this next adventure. Hello. Yes, it's another episode of the Raising Wildlings podcast. And today you're here with me, Vicky Oliver. And before I introduce my guest today, I would like for you to sit with some of these statistics. One in seven primary school students are now experiencing mental health problems. 75% of mental illness has its onset before the age of 24. We're finding 44% of new teachers are leaving teaching within their first five years, and I'll be honest, I'm one of them. And we've also got 45% of Australians experiencing a mental health illness in their lifetime. And yet we're only just starting to see any resources being allocated to addressing our mental health crisis. So today on the podcast, we have invited one half of the amazing Karma Kids duo, Helen Boniface, to help us shift our approach to wellness through the support and maintenance of healthy minds in Australia. Now, the sisters and co-founders of Karma Kids, Helen and Michelle, they share a collective 28 years of teaching experience in the fields of education, yoga and mindfulness. They created Karma Kids to help make simple and effective wellbeing tools accessible to every child and family. And I can't wait for you to hear what Helen has to share with us today. I'm just going to dive straight in. How about you tell us how you came to create Karma Kids? Yeah, so myself, I found yoga in my early 20s through anxiety. And I felt, you know, obviously I just... From that moment, I, I, I kind of, I feel like it's something that everyone should grow up learning. Um, but way back then, I kind of went over to India, did my first teacher training in India, um, teaching for about 10 years. And then my sister, who is the co-founder of Karma Kids, she's a primary school teacher and she was a deputy principal in England. She um, needed some help for some resources at her school where she was deputy principal for some well-being, a, a well-being week. And she basically asked me to film some breathing exercises and stuff for the school. And they played it in assembly in the UK, whole, you know, like 400 kids and, and being impacted by mindfulness and breathing. And at that time, that same time I'd had my, my twin girls, that was five years ago. And I guess my life was just getting redirected into that place of parenting and children. Um, fast forward a year on, she actually moved over to Australia Awesome. Um, so it's kind of the universe threw us together in this, our two passions of her with her, all her teaching experience, me with the yoga, and then with my own children, and then coming together to 
to birth karma kids into the world. Oh, that's so amazing because, um, you know, we follow you, but I, I was going through all of your, you know, Instagram and what I love about it is so simple, like that it doesn't have to be complicated. So I think I'll, I'll, I'll rewind a little bit and I want to talk because we're talking about calming kids down and having some tools, but I guess the challenge that we're facing that we are searching for these tools is that we're often in a state of stress and that's whether that's ourselves or increasingly children finding themselves in a state of stress, which is distressing as an adult to know that Mm. so many children actually need these tools. Like, you know, it's distressing to think that children are not in a, a, a more overall state of calm anyway. Yeah. So can you tell us what's happening internally to us when we're in a state of stress? Yeah, I think I think the points what you're bringing up is so massive as well because it, it speaks to that co-regulation of when mm. as adults, like a, a, a stressed out adult isn't very beneficial to calm a stressed out child, right? Yeah. So um, I guess physiologically when we're stressed, our heart rate is going faster, our breathing becomes more rapid, um, you know, all of our, anything that's not essential basically, like our digestive processes, they're not, they're not optimal. So um, the most important thing we do when that stress response is triggered is to, um basically calm our breathing mm. so the only physiological um proven thing to keep take us out the, st- the stress response is actually the breath mm. that's going to be the quickest and easiest way to take us out of stress um and of course like as adults we need to model that for our children so if we you know, if our breath becomes really rapid and we become really stressed, it's, it's our responsibility as adults to bring ourselves down so we can model that for the child. There's really no um, benefit of saying, calm down yes. to our children when we're really <laughs> stressed. Like, but I know as a parent as well how triggering it is when our children are upset. It triggers us. It brings up us. We want to comfort. We want to make it better for them. But we actually need to calm our own nervous system first to then be able to co-regulate with them. Yeah, I think that's... It's such a, I mean, I often, I'm actually seeing a lot more people now, even as I'm scrolling, there's a, a few people that are like, just want you to stop and take a deep breath. And it's so interesting to me that it's so simple. Yes. And just having that little anchor to say, just stop and do that now so that you're not constantly getting to that point where you actually need more than just a little bit of, I mean, I mean breathing's, I mean, if that in itself is helping, but you know, if you can constantly just have those little reminders to take those deep breaths, yeah, then we're setting ourselves up to be in a better place if we do find ourselves in a challenging situation or a difficult moment with our children. Which we obviously always will, right? And yeah. I think, I think that's the thing with us at Karma Kids because we do understand um, the parenting side, we understand the education side. It needs to be simple. It needs to be quick. It needs to be easy but also effective. Yeah. And- and I love meditation and I love like if I can get 20 minutes of meditation a day, amazing. But for parents, we, we don't always have that time. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be this whole big process. Like, you know, to go to a whole yoga class is amazing, great for the nervous system, but we can reset ourselves with these really simple and easy strategies as well. Um, as long as we're taught, you know, taught effectively so that we're going to, for example, breathe efficiently. So mm. which about breathing efficiently I'm talking about diaphragmatic breathing so extending the belly you know this is going to help to stimulate the vagus nerve and bring a sense of well-being with the breath rather than just just a deep breath we actually want to kids and parents to breathe um, efficiently yeah I, I guess that's the next step as well so what if we're 
at that moment, we're having a difficult moment with our child or someone else's child, because a lot of us are educators as well. What are some micro actions or questions we can ask ourselves to slow ourselves down before we react? So before we get to that reactive moment, what is something really micro that might help us to steer ourselves into a better direction? Yeah. So I think like I, I use something called the pause button. So some people like to have a physical anchor. So I might touch, like I've got um, the place between the thumb and the first finger. I'll just yep. anchor myself physically first and then take a breath. So that can, and that can be really good to show children that too. Mm. Um, you know, I, and I, I talk about it. I say like, I, I just need to calm down so that I can support you. So I, I talk to it as well. Um, but really creating that pause before the response is really, really pivotal. Yeah. Because if we respond in that, I mean, stress is a survival response. When we're stressed, the brain doesn't know the difference between being stressed because maybe a child is overwhelmed and then it's triggering us and the child is overwhelmed because they're not maybe getting the right coloured cup. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No difference in that child's stress response of being chased by a tiger. The the response is still that old caveman response of with rest in its survival so I think remembering that as well like having that in our minds as parents and educators that this child is in a survival response and it works with adults too our partners you know um, maybe work situations we get a trigger and it's when someone's stressed they're in that survival response so trying to come come to it with a from a place of empathy yeah and understanding I love that. I think that's really important because uh, I often think that we hold children up to a higher standard than we hold ourselves. 100% 100% agree. It's ridiculous, really, isn't it, that we yeah. would do that, yep. what we expect from them, yeah. Yeah, and I, I catch myself sometimes when I'm deep in it and I'm, you know, frustrated and, and pouring that all out into my children and then I think, like, I can't, I'm not even doing what I'm expecting them to do to me in this exact moment. Um, so then what kind of strategies do we have to actually implement some mindfulness because we are we, we're telling ourselves we're so busy and perhaps we are really busy. And maybe these five people find it really hard to take that 20 minutes to actually do a meditation. Yes. Um, what, what can we do? What's some, something really simple that we can implement to start ourselves in a better cycle or a better habit? Yeah, awesome. And do you mean for us as parents or for yeah. our children? Yeah, well, either, I guess. Start with oh, parents, yeah. yeah. Look, something really easy is just to do like a two-minute, every, like either every day or just once a week. Start small, doesn't have to be big, but just mm. a two-minute pause. It could be like I just made a cup of tea, boiling the kettle. And rather than like scrolling on my phone or distracting myself with something else, it's like I'm actually just going to stand while I boil the kettle for two minutes and I'm going to focus on my breathing. Mm. Or I'm going to listen to sounds. You know, it could be... It could be I just had a one-on-one with the beautiful child this morning and we did the five senses through the hand. So it's really nice that you can you know, show the child the hand and you say, what can you, what can you see at this moment? What can you feel at this moment? What can you smell at this moment? What can you hear? What can you taste? It just brings us into the present. Like it doesn't have to be this massive big process of a deep mindfulness experience, but in planting those seeds for our children and for us, um, I, the, the, the benefit is huge because we we start to see that change. We start to see, oh, I am more present. I'm noticing what's around me rather than letting my mind take control. Yeah, I think that's so powerful. I just want um, to tell you a little story. Last um, week we had a child in the forest and I was only there to pick up my kids and she had a tick and she was really quite distressed. Mm. And I watched Lindsay. She, she must have... Um, gone through some sort of breathing activity with them in the forest that day 
And I watched her, um, you know, we're all trying to say the things to try and get her to, to not be so worked up about us just even looking at it. And Lindsay did this beautiful thing where she, you know, got her to, you know, do some breathing, tracing her fingers. finger. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it's one of those moments where I just was, it was like time slowed down and I just watched this child go from really, really stressed and really so just didn't know what to do with herself to just, she, I, I just cannot explain the immediate calm that I saw in this child from this really simple breathing exercise. And it absolutely, like, I mean, I know how important all of these things are, but to sort of be external and watch it happening was so profound. So do you have examples of things like this where you've seen such a dramatic impact for, you know, children or adults in implementing something so simple like that? Yeah, 100%. I just want to that is such a beautiful gift to witness, isn't it? It's yeah. There's little moments that literally it's just, yeah, it's amazing because you just go, this is transform- transformational, you know. Yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely. So we have, um, I love, we, and I, we're very community-based, so we, we're in contact with our parents and um, so we often hear stuff like, you know, I had a, a message the other day from a parent that said, I was having a bit of a stressful moment and, um, you know, my little boy said, just one thing at a time, mummy, and then the, the little girl said, um, take maybe take some deep breaths, <laughs> you know, and so, like, these kids that we're educating are actually then teaching the parents, reminding the parents. Um, I have, like, a little girl who was always having trouble sleeping and so she'd draw the, um, like, a square on hand, we do box breathing, so Breathe in, hold your breath, breathe out, hold your breath. And um, she'd go to bed every night and she'd draw her little squares. It's like he's taking these tools home. Um, kids that will give their parents temple massages to help them to relax. And, you know, you hear about them at school that they're, um, you know, parent, it's mainly the feedback from the parents. I don't always see it straight up, like your experience of seeing it with the child in that experience. And yeah. I don't always get to, not always lucky enough to witness it firsthand, but often hear parents of ways that they've handled anxiety in school you know through a lot of the tactile the kinesthetic breathing that you just talked about with the five fingers is is so good because it is good for that sensory awareness it's physically anchoring too right Mm. not only just breathing it's also a tactile which the, the kids a lot of kids really enjoy yeah I'm sure they do one of the things that you talk about is that learning and well-being can't be separated. Do you want to talk to that a little bit about how how important well-being is overall? Yeah, sure. And I guess, look, I mean, I think that's come a lot from um, Michelle's extensive experience in education. Like you guys, you both teachers yeah. as well. Yeah, so she was um, she, for 18 years teaching and I guess she's seen that whole um, process in the UK of, of it being very exam-driven, very like, you know, the NAPLAN came in there before Australia and and they've been kind of gone full circle back to well-being being m- most important. And I think we've really seeing that journey here in Australia, you know, mm. um, in general, you know, mainstream schooling. Um, and I guess it, it comes down to the brain and how the brain, you know, the, just the simple, the brain in terms of how it works. So you, you'll, you'll obviously be familiar with Dan Siegel's work. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's neuroscience proves that when the prefrontal cortex is offline, we cannot learn. We can't take on new information because the limbic brain, the emotional brain takes over, it takes charge. So, you know, if we are trying to teach children, whether it's in school, homeschooling, whatever, you know, whether it's just trying to share a toy with a sibling, it doesn't even need to be like a big, you know, academic 
teaching, but whatever we're doing, if we're trying to impart something and teach a, a lesson to a child, we can't get through to them when their limbic brain is in charge, just the same as an adult. As you said, you know, we often expect more from our children. It, it, it's literally not possible. Um, and I love the phrase, when emotions go up, intelligence goes down. Mm. So when they, they can't make rational decisions, they can't take on logical thinking and um, we need to always connect with a child first. So when it comes to, I guess, our tagline, connecting, learning and well-being, it's really from that premise of like, if you're not connected, if you're not, if your well-being is not okay, if your window of tolerance, we can always talk about that, but if your window of tolerance is is in hyper arousal or even hypo arousal, if it's too far up or too far down, we're not in our optimal zone, we, we can't learn. Can you talk about the window of tolerance for me? So for people that haven't heard about it? Yeah, sure. So the window of tolerance, again, really good for us to recognize as parents, but also for our children. So you've basically got our optimal zone where we're functioning at our our best levels, you know, nervous systems, pretty calm. We can have little peaks and troughs. So, you know, we might be driving to do school run or something and then we come up a little bit because someone pulls out in front of us and but we can still stay in our optimal zone so there's things that happen of course as humans we're going to go have waves but you know hopefully we're staying mainly in our optimal zone if you know if we're sleeping well if we're eating well if we're exercising kind of ticking all our our general well-being to do things um but if we are maybe overtired maybe overworked for a child maybe hungry maybe not being connected um you know all the all the sort of things that we see in children when their nervous system is starting to get a bit heightened maybe someone's taken something that was theirs like a fight with a sibling or a friend and we start to go up into this what we call hyper arousal so this is the way anxiety presents so um you know yeah that fast breathing I talked about Mm. in school you know, the brain's maybe going a little bit offline. So when we go up into hyper arousal, we're out of our optimal zone. And then we've got down below that is our hypo arousal, which this also leaks into polyvagal theory. Probably haven't got quite time to go into <laughs> um, But basically the hypo arousal, it, it demonstrates differently for kids. So it actually looks like they're very withdrawn and quiet, which sometimes these kids kind of get missed a little bit because it's, oh, well, that, that child's shy or that child just not doesn't really engage in groups but it and it could be that that totally could be it um but it could also be that their nervous system is actually shutting down so it's more about disassociation <sighs> kind of like we've gone out of the hyper arousal and then we whatever in the hyper arousal we're trying to get to work isn't working and so we kind of dive down into that hypo or dorsal vagal um so i guess long story short it's really important to identify when we're coming up out of our window because if we can start to know, like I say to my kids, like mommy's a bit cranky today. Mm. I just, mommy needs to do, you know, whatever I need to do. Like mommy just needs to go and sit out on the deck and have a cup of tea for a minute. And then I'm going to be able to play again. Yeah. So it's like realizing what we need to do. So it always comes into self-awareness. Mm. I think for parents, particularly when we've got younger kids, helping them to recognize. But as they get older, we can start to say like, how, how, are, you, how are you going? Are you feeling a bit... You know, you're feeling a bit tired today, you, something getting to you. Because if we start to identify those markers earlier, we're less likely to have the meltdown. It's before we get into that really hyper arousal or really hypo arousal that we can use the tools that they're going to work. Mm. You know that when a child is so dysregulated, it, it does get to a stage where, you know, the deep breathing, we need to just connect them back. Yeah, that's right. And um, modelling and having that language to give them as well. Like I... When I am around children who have parents who have gone to a lot of effort to talk to their children about their emotions, about what's going on, to make it really clear, give them the right words, to go beyond the sad, mad or glad sort of emotional spectrum as well, 
um, those children are able to pull themselves out of or or identify at least to go very deep into how they're feeling really quickly, particularly now that my children are getting older and I'm watching the dynamics and, and what's going on. Um, I don't remember seeing those sorts of things happening when I was a child. Like I don't remember children having that ability to describe how they're feeling or even the permission mm. to feel mm. that all, you know, box down and yeah. and push down and so nobody actually knows how anyone's feeling whereas now I'm starting to see such a vulnerability yeah and it's 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 not scary for them they just they just talk about it and to actually watch it play out in front of me is something that's so special and heartwarming and makes me feel really so glad for my just so glad so <laughs> excited for my children that they will have so many better tools because what I'm also seeing is adults are unable to do so many of these things. And maybe they can in certain circumstances, but overall, so many adults are unable to regulate themselves because we've never been taught the tools and, and for a myriad of other reasons. So starting young, I just I can see such a huge and immense benefit for long-term well-being as well. Yeah, and look, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that the younger we learn this, I mean, if you look at the neuroplasticity of the brain, so that, you know, the the, the neurons that fire together, wire together, they say. So the more, the younger we are to create this kind of this changes and synapses in the brain, um, the, the more powerful it is. You know, they are, they are going to teach us because they, they do, they're like sponges. They take it on and they just, they, they're imitators, right? Let's give them something yeah. to imitate because they they literally, they do, they copy our good and our bad. So it's, um, yeah, that's right. You know, and yeah, I, I totally agree with you though. Like it's amazing how more emotionally aware we are. Um, and as parents, like it's, if we can, it might be, it's harder for us to change. It is harder yeah. for us to change, but, and it's not easy. And, and none of us get it right all the time. Like none of us get it right all the time. Um, you know, I observe myself. I think that's important. It's, I think so, because I think, yeah. it's, you know, we already, many of us as parents put so much pressure on ourselves, you know, we want to be the best we can be for our kids. And of course we should do that. But I think understanding like compassion for ourselves as well and just learning yeah. you know, if, if you do mess up, just repairing that straight away. Um, you know, owning your mistakes is just as powerful for our children as, you know, try, like perfect perfection doesn't actually exist, right? That's right. It's a false sense of something that you're passing on and then everyone, it's unachievable for everyone. Yeah, and it's just that creates more, problem, you know, other problems mm. for the child. So I think just, you know, we're all human, just yeah, identifying that, you know, I made a mistake today, you know, this is how I'm going to make it right. Um, that's that's really good modelling, right? Yeah, I think self-compassion is something that we need to talk about a lot more, particularly in the parenting space because yeah. we, we get so many mixed messages about how to do things. Um, and I think that sometimes the, at the end of the day it can be really simple. So self-compassion, admitting when we're wrong and trying to do the best we can and just do better when we know better. And every time we pick up something new and we, and we go, that sounds like something great, I'm going to implement that because it actually feels right in here, not because, you know, someone's telling me I have to do it, is to just keep going and trying and seeing how it works and 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 then also going, you know what? I tried something that I thought might be good, and it wasn't, and it didn't work out. And I have compassion for myself because all like you know, the best parents out there are the ones that are just, you know, trying, giving trying really hard to tr giving it a go, and um, are aware that they don't know everything. 
and the way that we were brought up wasn't necessarily perfect and that's okay and we're, we're, we're willing to try something else. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think as well, you know, just recognizing as well like you're you know trusting yourself as a parent because every child mm. every parent's different every situation is different it's not a one you know a one formula fits everyone and I think for me as a parent definitely part of my journey has been trusting that and knowing that what is right for my children it might be different to other people yeah you do you kind of go like when they're babies you, you know you're you're learning all about but you're really learning as you go along with each stage there's a there's something different isn't there yeah, and especially like I was thinking in your example, you've got twins. So, yeah. you know, that experience is only shared by a handful, you know, a certain percentage of other people. Yeah. Um, and so comparing yourself to a parent of a single child or two children that are a certain age apart can be so damaging to us. It because can. Comparison's the thief of joy, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's like we shouldn't compare. We should be on our own journey, get get as much information as we can. Like I think information is power just to have that knowledge to then be able to be discerning and make choices. Yeah, I think so too. And also I love, you know, observing what other people are doing and instead of feeling bad because, you know, there's a couple of people that I really admire their parenting and I think, frick, they nail it so often. Like I, the way they talk to their child, whenever I'm in their presence, they just really do it well. And instead of going, oh, I'm a terrible parent because I don't do that, I'm going, I'm going to do that. I'm going to pick, I'm going to try and implement that that thing that I continually see them doing. I'm going to do that. And that will then help me to feel like I'm, you know, achieving my goal in wanting to have a connected, respectful relationship with my children rather than framing it as, oh, I should have been doing this this whole time because I didn't. Like, it's hard when you don't see actually someone doing it in front of you. I know, which we'll is um, use that as a mentor, right? Go, wow, this yeah. really works. This is something that I can try and achieve and just and make those those little goals. They can be small, can't they? They don't have to, have to change our whole parenting style overnight. It's just, yeah, bringing in little tools that can help finding what works for you. Can I ask you how you um, practice yoga and meditation with, with young children? <laughs> uh, so I do go to yoga classes that the kids don't attend. So if I can, if I look, if I can fit it in, I'll try and get to like a couple of classes a week. It might be yeah. sometimes only one. Um, I, I've always practiced with the girls. So ever since they were babies, they just, they climb all over me though. There's not great families mm. there, but they kind of, they opt in and out. So they'll, they'll, um, they'll join in a little bit. They'll use me as a bit of a climbing frame sometimes. Yeah. But they just, yoga is always been a part of their life uh they're coming to do a group class with me I'm teaching later on they'll come and they'll be in that class so that's a children's class so they'll they'll sit and do the class and be um participating but at home it's a little bit different as it is for most of us right our, our children tend to be a little bit different with us than they are with oh, us but look for me it's just about it's a it's it's one of my main values is is you know particularly the meditation aspect so the kids just know that that's part of what what I do and then I kind of they can choose to do that or not it's not something that I force because I think you can always go one extreme to the other if you yeah does the yoga mindfulness it can make the child adverse to that because it's like well that's what mum does or that's mm-hmm. what dad does so I try to just make it really open just like anything like oh do you want to do yoga do you want to do this and so then it's that's brilliant yeah and I think it's important for people to hear that even, you know, like that that was my experience except for I just couldn't hear it. Like I, I used to go, I'm going to do some yoga to try and zen out yes, and then yeah. they climbing all over me and then I'd like get even more angry. Yes, um, yeah. And so actually surrendering and, and going into it going, you know what, children are going to climb all over me and I'm just going to try and get what I what I can. Or like you say, if that isn't going to work for me, 
find another way yeah as a class and 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 then if neither of those things work then that's okay too ages and stages and and maybe you can find a different practice or a different time and look I think as well like I when I you know when I was first uh I guess teaching a lot um I had a lot more space a lot lot more freedom and I would do like 90 minute practices a day and it was Mm. like you know I can meditate for as long as I like and and just knowing that you know it it does change as a parent I'm most of us wouldn't change it for the world. We have, you know, it's it's such a yeah. but in that the life changes, the practice changes. So maybe it's maybe it's a 10 minute, I'm gonna get up a little bit early with the kids, or I'm gonna do it rather than like throw Netflix on or something. I'm gonna throw up my mat and just do maybe six, seven poses. And it's often if you start with that, is often you often end up doing more anyway, right? Because it's the same yeah. anything that feels good. Um, can I ask you about your training in India? How do you think that doing the training um in the country of origin has influenced the way you see yoga? Yeah, great question. Um, I feel very, very grateful that I got that opportunity. Um, I'd love to go back there one day with the kids to India, but I, I mean, I'm mm. just glad I had that opportunity at the time to, to really lean into, because it is very different in the West. You know, it, mm. I think for me, it's my teaching always comes back to that traditional Hatha style. However, then I, after coming back from India and then teaching in Australia, I went on to do a lot more training here because I realized there's a lot that that works for the West that I need to learn to really succeed as a teacher here. And yeah, then right. in terms of the kids stuff, children's yoga is very different again. Um like as you know um with wildlings like it, kids only learn if they're engaged so yeah very different but I do always try to come back to the philosophy I think has embedded something really strong for me so like the philosophy of yoga the yamas and niyamas the way that we what we're teaching like why we're teaching yoga mm. um, obviously very passionate about the nervous system side of it as well so the regulation side um and really it's about being a good human right like yeah it doesn't matter if you're doing fancy poses like it's not about the asana like it's really for me it's about the philosophy and the the regulation for ourselves so we can find that peace mm. mind. and if we can show kids that they can access that peace at any time um life's busy I feel like it's getting busier and busier um of course we'll have choice in that right we all, we all do have freedom of choice with how kind of far we go down that path but to be able to give children that empowerment to stop and pause and go mm. the, a river of peace inside me and I can access that at any time I need to. That's so good. Mm. Um, so Karma Kids, tell me how it works. Is it you're doing workshops and you go into schools? Paint me a picture of, of how people can access your programs. Sure. So, look, I mean, when we started out, it was definitely designed to be going into schools. Um, we found that re- a really hard pathway with lots of, yeah. lots. I'm sure you have experience in, yeah. in that and the red tape and everything. So how it's evolved to be is um, I've been teaching adult teachers so I've been training adult teachers for the last five years here on the coast. So it was a natural progression to move into kids training. It's training. So we train parents, educators, and yoga teachers, um, allied health professionals to embed the tools. So they can go and then teach classes, workshops, or they can just embed it into their, um, mm. their programs. Um, and then we also offer classes, workshops. So we're very community-based. So we do like family yoga and kids' classes. But a, an amazing thing that grew for us out of last year is, um, well, really it, it was kind of, I guess, um, came to life, really birthed this year, is Karma Kids Online. So Yeah. Yeah, so this is our online program. Um, obviously with COVID and how the last couple of years has 
um, unraveled. Um, it's it has been really important to I guess pivot with what you're doing and and be more have more of an online presence. So um, we actually received a grant for um, to give us some funding to create Karma Kids Online, and this is a a program that brings wellbeing tools like short, simple wellbeing tools into everyday life for families. Um, so it's you know we, yeah it's you get access every week. There's new content. Um, so you got like a mindful Monday, teaching Tuesday where they do yoga, a wind down Wednesday with meditations, um, Thursdays like journaling prompts, and then Friday we have something fun for the family. So there's all these different tools, and it's really designed so they can do as much or as little as they want. Um, cool. It's based on all the habit research. So the habit research basically says that the small change is the big change. Mm. And the mistake that many of us make is we'll say like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to yoga like five times a week, and like, well, I've got no ability to do that. Like, I'm a busy parent; I can't do that. You know, I'm gonna meditate yeah. every day for thirty minutes. Like, we well, are not because at the end of the day, you're exhausted. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's a, it's basically going like you've got a tool, um, you know, five days a week, a new tool, and then you can you can just use one a week if you like. You can use yeah, five. you can do one hour a week. You can do five minutes a week, whatever you want to do. But it's just about repetition and starting and making it easy because. We're like you, you know, we we think it wasn't like this when we were growing up. There is so much mm. more, there's so much information out there, but the information can also then become noise, right? Yes. People can go, well, I love all this. Like this, that sounds, that sounds right. I love this nervous system regulation stuff, but how do I implement it at home? Because I've got so much to do. Yeah. And I don't want another thing to do. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, that's where that's all come from. And um, really exciting. The feedback we're getting is we're just, it, it's that sort of feedback from parents that, you know, we see them doing their meditations at home with their eye pillows on or doing a fun thing together with get photos and stuff like that, which is just lovely to see. It's I'm so excited for you guys. That sounds amazing. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm going to go find that and sign up <laughs> for my own family. Um, because I, I do think that that, um, it sounds achievable. It's like achievable. just to have something, and I really like that. There's variety in that because I, I, I've done been through those periods of time where I'm like, right, I'm going to get up early. Yes. I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes, and then I'm going to journal, and I'm going to um, do some yoga or some sort of movement. And I'm not even going to do one of those in one yes. day. I know. But if you if you spread it out over the week, I feel like that's achievable. Absolutely <laughs> achievable. And you can make it, you can, you can bulk it out. There's always more. There's always like, you know, there's videos, there's resources. So you can like, you can go all in and there's also a weekly. Part. Yeah. So you can beat Michelle is the, the education hat, right? So she's, she's like, you've got to have it and you can star off what you've done. You can tick it off as you go. You organize one. Love me a good tick box. Exactly. Have it on the fridge, tick off what you, what you want. Or you can literally just go, oh, let's just pull out the computer. Let's see what's on here. Oh, look, like bumblebee breath that sounds fun let's do that and let's mm. do this magic star thing let's do this today on a Sunday because we've got a bit of time at home and it's just that whole you know when you start something that feels good once you start you want to continue it because you notice the benefit amazing I'm going to link all of those things in our show notes for any of our listeners who are interested um, in finding out more and maybe awesome. joining that course because that sounds like a tool that I think every family should dip into absolutely um, so thank you so much for chatting today. I'm going to round us out with some rapid fire questions. So okay. to start with, um, do you want to talk to me about a book that you're either reading at the moment or just like an all-time favourite that our listeners might really want to know about? Okay. Oh, gosh. Um, so many good books. I'm, yeah, I try not to be attached to the material world, but books is something I do have a bit of a problem with. <laughs> <laughs> Look, anything anything by um Daniel Siegel anything mm. by him so whole rain child all that sort of stuff Stephen Porges um Bruce Perry all of the trauma informed stuff for kids I just think any kind of for parents anything you can read that resonates for you just yeah 
soak it up. Um, in terms of maybe just like a really nice lighter read, The Alchemist is one of my favorite all time. Ah, all time someone books. else has recommended that. Have they? It's it's not yeah. about parenting, but it's just really about the, the treasures within, and we go on a journey. And it's a beautiful, you know. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of the simple things too. Oh, brilliant! I love those recommendations, and I would second the Daniel Siegel stuff. Oh, definitely, so um, been a game changer for me in just having that understanding. Like, 100%. yeah, knowledge is power it helps you to make better decisions um all right where would you go after or what would you do after a rough day or a rough week to reset um oh so lucky living on the sunshine coast aren't we where (laughs) where wouldn't you go but for us we live close to the forest at condolella so often (sighs) up there oh beautiful like you know as the sun's going down nice late afternoon walk or the ocean's always great for just clearing and resetting as well oh see sometimes I think you know, we, well, we're just so lucky we've got the best we're of both so worlds because sometimes it is, sometimes I'm like, I just crave the mountains and I crave the fresh water and then other times I need the sea air. Um, so good. So good. Um, <laughs> um, if you could cha- choose one thing that you would change about the education system, what do you think that would be? Oh, gosh. Um, look, I think changing the environment rather than trying to change the child. So the whole, mm. you know, the whole analogy of the flower that if it's not growing, um, you don't it's not the flower's fault it's let's let's change the conditions for the flower mm. I think seeing the children as individual which is hard it's hard in big classes and I really get that from the education point of view but just trying to find ways to connect with each child that's going to so yeah. thrive because we're all just we all just learn so differently I think so and I think that we're smart and capable humans we can find a way of oh. catering to everyone so um yeah, I think that I, so many people are. I think there's there is change brewing. It's just there is a lot. It's change, a lot of slow. stuff to change. <laughs> well, change can be slow, and I think we just all got to keep doing our bit. I think change is slow, but it can be overwhelming when we try and change the world. But if we just keep doing our bit, I think those ripples they 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 will absolutely happen. yeah absolutely. Helen, it has just been an absolute delight speaking with you today. I have just um, have a renewed sense of the importance of all of the things that we talked about today and um, I I don't know, I know that so many of our listeners will have gained so much, but me personally, I just want to thank you for reminding me of how important these things are and how how simple and um, that's going to be, make an impact on my own little family and the, the children that we surround ourselves with. So thank you so much for that. Oh, that makes me so happy. Thank you so much for having us on. It's been an absolute pleasure. You're most welcome. We will link all of the amazing things for Karma Kids in our show notes and we'll tag in Instagram um, so you can follow them along and share in all of the gold nuggets that we get um, watching your feed. So thank Thank you. you. Thanks, guys. Helen has been such an inspiration for me in particular today to continue working on the spectrum of tools that I'm not only just going to be able to use for myself, but I'm able to help arm my children. They're going to be able to expand on this toolbox that I'm only now just dipping into as an adult. And I'm really personally grateful to have the reminder and motivation today. Now, as I wrap up another episode, I just wanted to finish up by saying that if you're curious about starting a nature play business or a forest school, then you'll definitely want to check out our signature online course, Your Wild Business. Now, Your Wild Business is a business Kickstarter program like no other. It's specifically designed for teachers, forest school leaders, outdoor recce's and early years learning educators who are ready to leap into the big wide world of business. If you want to take the guesswork out of starting from scratch, And more importantly, if you want to avoid the three most common mistakes others have made when they started their nature play business, 
then head to www.wildlingsforestschool.com forward slash wild dash business and check out our exclusive training to get you started on the right path towards your wild business journey. Now, as always, we absolutely love doing this journey with you. So until next week, stay wild. Stay wild.